Dear Lord, thank you for this day. Thank you for this time to be together, to fellowship, to be amongst your people, to hear your word, to gain wisdom for sanctification. We pray that you would give us wisdom and that we would be excited about pursuing growth in the Christian life. And we thank you for your grace and amen. All right, so today's sermon is called Implementing Accountability, and it's part two in a mini-series I'm going to call Growing Through Accountability. So last week we did Desiring Accountability, this week we're doing Implementing Accountability. We're moving along. So I want to start out with defining what I mean by accountability for the purposes of this sermon and this series. Um, So... For the purposes of this sermon and this series, accountability means having a relationship with someone where you're open with them about the areas you're not doing well in, and they tell you hard truths you need to hear. So there's two important parts to that. Number one, you have to be open with them. And number two, you need to be willing to listen to correction and willing to take correction and instruction. And I would also go on to say that accountability should also include being open about areas that aren't currently problems, but that you have reason to suspect might become problems in the future. So if you have a little bit of a problem with debt, but it's not that much of a problem, but it looks like it's starting to grow, you should probably talk to someone about that. Did did you have something, Diana? Yeah, there's a proverb that has to do with like, oh yeah, that one too, yep. Uh, The wise man sees trouble and hides himself. John Luke will know what it is. It's Proverbs 22, verse 3. But yeah, accountability should also include being open about areas that aren't currently problems, but that you have reason to think could become problems in the future. So today's sermon, Implementing Accountability, has four parts. Uh, The first one, we can go to the slide uh, with the four parts, the outline. So number one. In order to implement accountability, you have to pick a person to have accountability with. Number two, you need to know the areas in which you want to have accountability. That's very important. The third one, you have to start to actually meet with them and have accountability. And then the fourth one, you have to work together with them. You have to cooperate with them. We'll go into more detail into that when we get to it. Anyways, first part, pick a person to have accountability with. So I've got a few um, ideas, tips, recommendations, things you should take into consideration when thinking about this. Um, If you've been coming to GCF for a while, you might already have a person you have accountability with. That would be good. Because, you know, as Christians seeking to grow, we should want to take advantage of every resource, every advantage we can get. So 
Um, but a, a number of you might already have accountability, but if you don't, these will help you consider who might be good to have accountability with. So the first one, pick someone who has grown in the areas you need to grow in. If you want someone to help you grow, it's helpful to have someone who's already grown in the areas you're trying to grow in. Because they have relevant knowledge on how to grow and what it takes to grow in those areas, because they've been through it. If you have an issue with debt and you're trying to get out of debt and you're, you know, you're trying to talk to someone about it who's never been into debt, that might not be as helpful as someone who's been in debt, got out of it, and learned to manage their finances well. If you can, it's helpful to have someone who's grown in the areas you want to grow in, or is at least where you want to be in those areas. Let's look at Hebrews 13, verse 7. Remember your leaders who taught you the word of God. Think of all the good that has come from their lives and follow their example of faith. So I want to think about that, that clause, think about all the good that has come from their lives and then follow their example of faith. That's relevant. That will give us motivation and help us discern, is this person someone I should be following? Did their, is their life what the Bible says it should be? Is there a good outcome to their life? If there is a good outcome to their life, you should consider that and consider that they've learned how to grow and their examples were following. And I feel like this can be helpful for having motivation when you, know, you don't necessarily feel like working with them. Consider their way of life and think about it. Well, this worked for them. They must know something about this. The second thing I would say when considering who to have accountability with, pick someone who wants to help. That should be obvious, but if you're considering multiple people and they've all grown in the areas you want to grow in, you know, just make sure you pick someone who wants to help. Because if, if for whatever reason they're not interested, then they won't be particularly helpful. You want to pick someone who wants to help you grow. That way they'll be invested. The third thing, pick someone who's godly. Again, this one should go without being said, but you know, sometimes we miss things that should be obvious. So let's, just for cons- um, example, let's say you had someone you were thinking of and they've grown in some areas you want to grow in, they've got a good marriage, they're on top of their finances, and they're interested in helping you grow, but they're not interested in the faith and God is not top priority in their life, they might be help you, able to help you grow well in a few areas, but they shouldn't be your main person whom you have accountability with. Because your main goal is to grow in your relationship with God. And that won't be their main goal. So you want to, this person needs to be a godly person. 
And lastly, I have some recommendations on where to start. So in, I have a list, four places where I would recommend you start in order. Number one, your discipler. If you're in a discipleship group, especially if you have you know, a one-on-one discipleship relationship with someone, that person should be your main accountability person. It's just, it makes sense. It's easy, you're already meeting with them, you know, they take spiritual care for you. So, disciple, that should be the number one place you should go. Another one to consider, uh, a pastor in your church, especially if you go to a church and you don't have, um, you know, one-on-one discipleship in your church, if you have the option to have, you know, accountability with your pastor, that's a good choice. And if you, if you go to GCF, one of those two options will certainly be available. Another good option could be a counselor, if you don't have the first two options. And if you don't have access to either of those, a roommate, a godly roommate, or a spouse could be good. But those would be my recommendations on where to start to look for accountability. But I do want to say this, whether or not you consider your pastor or discipler your main accountability person, which you probably should, you should be accountable with them either way. I want to look at Hebrews 13 verse 17. Obey your spiritual leaders and do what they say. Their work is to watch over your souls and they are accountable to God. Give them reason to do this with joy and not with sorrow. That would certainly not be for your benefit. So, one of the main things to get out of this passage, you know, your spiritual leaders have been charged by God with watching over your souls. That's serious. And we should try to make that job easier for them. You know, give them a reason to do this with joy and not with sorrow. Watching over people's souls is a big job. Moreover, it's a serious job, accountable to God. And we should try to make that job easier for them. And if you want to make that easier for them, Be open with them about what's going on in your life and how you're trying to grow. That makes it easier. But you know, this is, we should want to make it easier for them because this is serious, like accountable to God. Let's look at James 3 verse 1. Dear brothers and sisters, not many of you should become teachers in the church, for we who teach will be judged more strictly. You know, at the end of our lives, we're all going to be judged by Christ for what we did. And we should regularly think about that. That's serious. 
but spiritual leaders will be judged more strictly and they'll be held accountable for you know, how well they tried to help you grow. That's serious, and we should respect that. All right, second part. Know which areas to have accountability in. So I've got six areas that it's important that we have accountability in. The first one is relationships. So when I say relationships like coworkers, friends, church members, spouses, roommates, children, anyone, relationships. Because relationships are the primary area where Christian characters developed. You know, Christ told the disciples, the world will know that you're Christians by whether or not you love each other. He didn't say the world will know you're Christians by whether or not you read your Bible. And not only that, there's a number of specific areas within relationships that we need accountability in. Bitterness. Bitterness is something we need to watch out for. Let's look at Hebrews 12, verse 15. Look after each other so that none of you fails to receive the grace of God. Watch out that no poisonous root of bitterness grows up and troubles you, corrupting many. If you've never thought about you know, this verse, it's, it's really worth thinking about corrupting many. What does that mean? Well, bitterness is hardly ever an isolated sin. It often doesn't just stick to one person. Bitterness often spreads. You know, um, the writer of Hebrews is comparing it to a boy a poisonous root that grows. But bitterness often spreads. And spreading bitterness can become a real problem in a church. One of the biggest reasons we need accountability is sometimes it's hard to identify your own bitterness. I've had a relationship... um, where I was pretty bitter at the other person and I didn't really realize that I was bitter at them. And you might think that's pretty stupid, and it kind of is, but sin makes you stupid. It is really easy to be bitter and not identify it as bitterness. And it makes sense because, well, I recently preached on anger and having balance in it. It's not a sin to be angry. And we know that, and that's good. But sometimes you can be bitter and just be thinking, oh, that's just legitimate anger. But remember, part of legitimate anger is not hanging on to it for more than a day. Other people can often evaluate whether or not we're bitter much better than we can, because they're not involved personally in the situation. If you don't know whether or not you're bitter at someone or a situation, but you think you might be, find someone who isn't involved in the situation. They'll probably be able to tell you right off the bat if they're a godly person. 
but it, it genuinely is easy to be bitter and not realize it. So that's something we need accountability for. Another thing that accountability can help with in relationships, it can keep us from developing unhealthy relationships. Sometimes we start to grow too close to people or close to people we shouldn't grow close to. This is how most affairs start. Most affairs don't start with people trying to get into an affair. Most affairs start with a, a small friendship with like someone they work with that got real close and turned into something else. That's why it's good to have accountability in regards to your relationships. It's good to have someone you talk to about things. It's good to be open with someone who can give you advice and instruction. Sometimes we have unhealthy relationships with parents or with you know, people who are being manipulative and trying to control us. And sometimes we don't understand how to avoid being manipulated or even that we should not let other people manipulate us. And sometimes it's hard to see that. But it's helpful to have someone you can be open with about what's going on in your relational life. Another common relational issue we fall into easily is just not being loving towards others. Sometimes we're just not loving towards others and we don't even see it. It can be helpful to have someone else who can see it more clearly and point it out. As Christians, as we grow, you know, in the word and growing closer to the Holy Spirit and just getting more used to the Christian life, we tend to become better at spotting our own sin because we get used to the Holy Spirit convicting us. We don't really get perfect at it, we just get better at it. Um, but most of the time, somebody else, a non-biased third party, will have an easier time seeing our sin than we do. So relationships, it's important and useful to have accountability in relationships. If you have an accountability person, be open with them about what's going on in your life with your relationships. Do you have anyone you're regularly getting mad at? That might be legitimate, but it's good to be open with them about it because it might not be legitimate. But they're an unbiased third party. Be open with them about your relationships. Second area we need accountability in, our devotional life. So, you know, the Christian life can be compared to being an athlete. An athlete needs to eat and drink or else they'll die. And if they die, they definitely won't be good at whatever sport they're doing. But if they don't eat and drink much, they might not die, but they definitely won't be good at whatever sport they're doing. Christians are like athletes, the scripture is like food, and, um, and the spirit is like water. We need to be spending time in the word and in the spirit. We need to be investing in our relationship with God to be growing in it. But it's easy to get off track in that. 
it's easy to just get busy with life, with legitimate things that like are good to be putting time into. It's easy to get too busy, too busy, and just forget about it, to get too tired. Let's look at Joshua 1, verse 8. This book of the law shall not depart from your mouth, but you shall meditate on it day and night, so that you may be careful to do according to all that is written in it. For then you will make your way prosperous, and then you will have good success. The scriptures should be something we meditate on day and night. There shouldn't be a day that goes by where we didn't think about you know, scriptural concepts or meditate on them, chew on them, you know, really wrestle with them in your mind, that should be something we do daily. The Bible's very straightforward about not only the importance of reading the Bible, but prayer. Let's look at 1 Thessalonians 5.17. Pray without ceasing. That's... Pretty clear. That doesn't mean literally be praying 24-7 and ignore all other conversations. It means, you know, be praying throughout life. Pray. It expounds on that. Not really. Uh. (laughs) Yep. But we tend to get, so, you know, having regular time in devotions is very important. We won't be growing without it. We'll be like the athlete who doesn't eat and doesn't drink. It's not a very good athlete. But we get off track. And some, it can be very helpful to have someone who checks up on us and just, if we're getting off track in our devotional life, reminds us, encourages us. That can be very helpful. So devotional life is an important area for accountability. The third area I want to mention, sexual purity. So we live in 2022 in America, and sexual temptation is everywhere. It's all around us. And, you know, we need to be careful about that. Sexual sins are easy to start small and fall into. And not only that, but sexual sins that start small tend to grow into bigger sins. So it's very helpful to have accountability because if you're open with someone about it, they can, you know, help you cut it off at the root before it grows. If you have a small sexual struggle with sin that nobody else knows about, you'd be way, way, way better off being open with someone about it and getting help now than waiting for it to potentially get out of hand. The other thing I wanted to really hit on with we need accountability and sexual purity But specifically, if you struggle with pornography and you're not trying to get the help that's available, I would say that's a sin in itself. 
Let's look at Matthew 5, 27 through 30. You have heard that it was said, you shall not commit adultery. But I say to you that everyone who looks at a woman with lustful intent has already committed adultery with her in his heart. If your right eye causes you to sin, tear it out and throw it away. For it is better that you should lose one of your members than that your whole body be thrown into hell. And if your right hand causes you to sin, cut it off and throw it away. For it is better that you lose one of your members than that your whole body be thrown into hell. So Jesus is talking about the seriousness we're supposed to have when fighting against sin. And if you have a struggle with pornography and there's help that's available to you and you're not pursuing it, I would say that's the sin of not really caring about your obedience to God. If you really cared about it, if it was really top priority in your life to obey God, look for resources on how to. If something's top priority in your life, you're going to put a lot of energy into it. But we need accountability and sexual purity. We need to be open about that with someone. The next area I would say is helpful to have accountability in, that we should have accountability in, is finances. I wish this was a, a better known fact throughout the church, but how we use money is a central part of the Christian life. Let's look at Luke 3, 7 through 14. So this is um, John speaking when people were coming out to be baptized. So John said to the crowds that came out to be baptized by him, You brood of vipers, who warned you to flee from the wrath to come? Bear fruits in keeping with repentance, and do not begin to say to yourselves, We have Abraham as our father. For I tell you, God is able to raise these stones... Um, God is able from these stones to raise children for Abraham. Even now the axe is laid to the root of the trees. Every tree, therefore, that does not bear good fruit is cut down and thrown into the fire. By the way, I wanted to mention, so it says here, don't say to yourselves, we have Abraham as our father. The modern equivalent of that is, don't say to yourselves, I'm a Christian, I attend church, I'm a good person. Bear fruits in keeping with your repentance. So that's his main point. John's main point in talking to the people right here is bear fruit in keeping with your repentance. And then the crowds asked him, what then should we do? How do we keep fruit uh, keeping with our repentance? And John answered them, whoever has two tunics is to share with the one who has none. And whoever has food is to do likewise. Tax collectors also came to him to be baptized and said to him, Teacher, what shall we do? And he said to them, Collect no more than you were authorized to. Soldiers also asked him, What then shall we do? And he said to them, Do not extort money from anyone by threats or by false accusation, and be content with your wages. So John is 
telling people how to keep fruit in keeping with repentance. And guess what? He gave three answers, and they basically all had to do with money. John is telling people, here's what you do when you come into the kingdom of God. And they all had to do with money. Jesus says, um, you know, later on, your money shows where your heart is. And how we use our money is central in the Christian life, or a central aspect. It's not the central aspect. God is the central aspect. I also want to look at uh, Luke 16, 1 through 12. Jesus told this story to his disciples. There was a certain rich man who had a manager handling his affairs. One day, a report came that the manager was wasting his employer's money. So the employer called him and said, What is this I hear about you? Get your report in order. You're going to be fired. The manager thought to himself, Well, now what? My boss has fired me. I don't have enough strength to dig ditches, and I'm too proud to beg. Ah, I know how to ensure that I'll have plenty of friends who give me a home when I'm fired. So he invited each person who owed money to his employer to come and discuss the situation. He asked the first one, how much do you owe him? The man said, I owe him 800 gallons of olive oil. So the manager said, take your bill quickly and change it to 400 gallons. And how much do you owe my employer? He said to the next man, I owe him 1,000 bushels of wheat. Here, the manager said, take your bill and change it to 800 bushels. The rich man had to admire the dishonest rascal for being so shrewd. I love the NLT. (laughs) And it is true that the children of this world are more shrewd in dealing with the world around them than the children of the light. Here's the lesson. Use your worldly resources to benefit others and make friends. Then, when your possessions are gone, they will welcome you to an eternal home. If you are faithful in little things, you will be faithful in large ones. And if you are dishonest in little things, you won't be honest with greater responsibilities. And if you are untrustworthy with worldly wealth, who will trust you with the riches of heaven? And if you are not faithful with other people's things, why should you be trusted with things of your own? Verse 11 is one to think about. Verse 11 might be one to hang in your bathroom if you do that. If you are untrustworthy about worldly wealth, who will trust you with the true riches of heaven? How we use finances is a big aspect of the Christian life. So, getting that out of the way, um, there's more reason we need accountability with finances. And the next big reason why is a lot of us grew up being taught that it's normal to use money in ways that are totally unwise and unbiblical. Most of us got taught that. A lot of us got taught that it's normal to have bad spending habits to have consumer debt, to not save, to not invest, or to give unwisely. If you look around you, it actually is normal to have 
bad financial habits, sadly. But that's because the world needs the wisdom of God, and they don't have it. So most of us grew up being taught to have bad financial habits. Getting established in biblical finances takes work, time, and wisdom, and it can be very helpful to have somebody else. Because sometimes you don't realize when your uh, financial habits aren't that good. Sometimes you make poor spending decisions and you think that it's normal. Of course you buy a brand new car from the dealership. That's what everybody does. If you don't know why that's bad, you should get accountability for your finances. I mean, moreover, it, just, it couldn't hurt to have accountability with your finances. Like, what's it going to cost? If anything, it'll help you have more money. Fifth area, I think, um, we could all use accountability in. Emotional struggles. So probably almost everyone alive in America either has had or does have some type of emotional struggle with anxiety, depression, guilt, or bitterness. And as someone who's struggled with you know, depression and guilt, I can say totally confident that it's way better to have somebody else to go through that struggle with than to go through it alone. I don't care if it's embarrassing. I don't care if you get, don't feel like getting out of bed to talk someone, to someone about it. You'd be way better off having someone to work through that with than suffering through it alone. Suffering through anxiety or depression alone is the worst way to deal with it. People can help you see things you don't see. And that's particularly you know, helpful with anxiety or depression. Other people might see the causes of your struggles even if you don't. Other people might see solutions that you might not see. Other people might see potential problems with things getting out of hand. You might be to the point with depression, I'm just miserable, whatever, it's fine. I just go to work and be miserable. I go home and be miserable. I've gotten used to it, it's fine. And it might be starting to get out of hand, and you might not see that. It's very helpful to have accountability in the area of emotional struggles. It's helpful to have someone to point things out to you. If you have struggles with anxiety or depression or bitterness or struggles with uh, false guilt, you should find someone to talk to about it. And if, if you don't have enough desire to fight against it, to be willing to be open with someone about it, you don't have enough desire to fight against it to get over it. I just wouldn't expect to get over it if you're not even willing to be, talk to someone about it. You shouldn't be okay with just living with anxiety or depression. You should want to fight against it. We need accountability in our emotional struggles. The last one, 
Uh, this one covers a lot. This one's kind of, just in case I missed anything, obedience to God. Any area that you're struggling to obey God in is an area you need accountability in. Earlier we looked at, you know, Matthew 5, 29, and 30, where Jesus talked about how serious we should be with fighting against sin. He basically was saying, making the point, escalate to do whatever it takes. If there's something you could do that would give you the victory over sin, and you're not doing it, you don't care. And that's sin. That's adding the sin of not caring to the sin you're already committing. Let's also look at Galatians 6, verses 1 and 2. Dear brothers and sisters, if another believer is overcome by some sin, you who are godly should gently and humbly help that person back onto the right path. And be careful not to fall into the same temptation yourself. Share each other's burdens. In this way, obey the law of Christ. So if you really think about this, even though, you know, the command in this verse is if a believer is overcome by some sin, godly believers ought to try and help that person. There's an implication. If you're overcome by some sin, you should allow others to help you. That's the implication. Any area that you're struggling to obey God in that's a regular struggle, you need to seek help with that because you should seek every resource you can get your hands on. If obedience to God is top priority, you know, you should be doing something about it. If there was a married person who was struggling with pornography but they weren't willing to get help with it, what would their spouse say? They'd say, you don't really love me. If we have ongoing areas of struggle to obey God where we're regularly you know, failing in and we're not seeking help, I say that shows that we don't care that much if the help is available to us. One... Um, kind of side point I wanted to mention. So I mentioned six areas. Uh, let's go over them one last time, actually. David, can you pull up the, the six areas? Yeah. Okay. Um, so the six areas I mentioned that we should all have accountability in, number one, relationships. Number two, devotional life. Number three, sexual purity. Number four, finances. Oh, I made a typo. Number five, emotional struggles. Um, and number six, obedience to God. One thing I would like to add to this as a side point. So you should have a main person who you're accountable with about every area of your life. But beyond that, it might be a good idea to have accountability with an extra person in a specific area that they're specifically skilled in. So if you have a discipler who you meet with, you should be accountable 
to them in all these areas. But if you like know another Christian brother who's particularly good with finances and you know it might be smart to be also accountable with them specifically in your finances. Just a side note. All right, uh, part three of the series. So after you've picked a person to have accountability with and you know which areas you need accountability in, you need to start to have accountability. So there's really three things that I just want to mention. The, um, number one, pick how often you're going to meet with them. I would recommend no less than once per month. It's about consistency. If you, you know, have a person who you have accountability with, but you don't actually meet with them, you don't have accountability. And if it's been more than a month, and you don't have a meeting with them, and they haven't set up with one with you, you should really pursue them. Hunt them down if you have to. Second point of how to get started with having accountability. Make sure you're open with them and that you regularly talk about the key areas. You know, if you pick someone and you regularly meet with them, but you don't actually regularly talk about key areas of your life, you don't have accountability. Even if they don't ask you how you're doing, tell them how you're doing. Even if things are going well, tell them things are going well. Because then they get used to you talking to them and being open with them. And then if ever one day you stop being open with them, they'll know that something's weird. And that's good. You want that. Because accountability is a safeguard. If I'm open to someone about my finances regularly and then I get into some financial scandal and I don't want them to know about it so I stop being open with them, they'll know that something's up. They're like, hmm, Josiah stopped talking to me about this. Why? And that's good. Because that's what they're there to help with. Third point of start to have accountability. Um... Ask them to hold you accountable. I think it's specifically important that you ask them to hold you accountable. The act of asking them helps you to expect that they're going to do it, and it prepares you to be open with them. Not only that, but it communicates to them that you're interested and that they can afford to ask you questions and tell you hard truths. I think it's specifically worth it and important to ask them to hold you accountable. All right, fourth part of the sermon. We're going to start moving quickly. Work together with your accountability person. So I've got two, two main points here. Number one, listen to what they have to say and work with them. Remember, you picked them because they've grown in areas you want to grow in. Given that, when they tell you something, you should hear them out and consider what they have to say. But the main point I have here is work with them when you have disagreements with them. So all people have disagreements. That's not sinful. Everyone has disagreements. It's going to happen. 
But if you have a disagreement with them about advice they're giving you or rebuke they're giving you, tell them that you disagree. So there's two ways that people genuinely go about it. You can tell them that you disagree, or you can, you know, avoid telling them that you disagree and just keep it to yourself and ignore what they say. And because most people don't like confrontation, that's what most people do. That is not helpful. It might seem respectful to them to not tell them that you disagree with them. You might think, I don't want to insult them and like let them know that I think they're wrong. I would much rather people would just tell me to my face that they disagree with me. I would much rather be able to politely talk it out with them than them just keep it to themselves and ignore what I say and pretend they agree with me when they're around me. Nobody wants that. And especially if for any reason you're getting bitter at them. Tell them about it. No sane person would rather you just keep it to yourself and don't tell them that you disagree with them. <laughs> All right. We're going to get through this and we're going to have two minutes left. Next part, effectively holding others accountable. We're going to, I just have some short points to mention here. Number one, if, so if you hold others accountable, if you're a disciple or a roommate or a household head and you hold other people accountable, make sure you cover the key areas with them. There's a list of the key areas in your bulletin. Please keep it. Make sure you cover the key areas with them. Second, if they asked you to hold them accountable, which hopefully they did, then make sure you check up on them. They asked and you agreed, you should do it. You might need to remind them that they asked and encourage them to be more open. And I would say it's helpful to realize that both people being intentional is the best way to do anything. And that includes the most effective way to have accountability. In any relationship, if only one person's intentional, it's only going to go so well. If you're working with someone at a job, with a coworker, and you're the only one intentional about it, or they're the only one intentional about it, things aren't going to go so well. The best way to do anything with two people is with both of them being intentional. So be intentional and encourage the other person to be intentional. In conclusion, get accountability. It's easy, it's biblical, and it makes a difference. You know, there's three steps. It's easy. Number one, pick a person. Number two, know the areas. Number three, start meeting with them. I'm going to close in prayer, and then Greg has a few comments to make. Dear Lord, thank you for this day. Thank you for the grace of your church, Lord. Thank you that you give us other people to help us grow, Lord. Thank you that we're a family that watches out for each other. We pray that we would take advantage of that, and we would be do, willing to do whatever it takes to grow in obedience to you, Lord. We thank you for your love for us and for giving us the church. Amen.